Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. I, uh, I want to talk for just a moment. I won't take real long today. There is dinner afterwards, and uh, they are getting all that ready so that we can go enjoy ourselves. And I want to take just a few moments, though, uh, and say that I mean everything I said from my heart. Uh, I love Keith and Debbie. They have meant so much. And uh, I don't want anyone to think it's just a formality that we're going through here because she's retiring. It comes from our heart. She and Keith have meant very, very much to me. And I'm saying this as, as a friend uh, from the time I came here. And they meant so much to my sons. And uh, their, their daughters and my sons are friends. They've, they've connected. And their family and our family, it's meant a lot to me to be friends. And I, I appreciate them all so much. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. And also then, Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And that should be up, I think it's up on the board today. And then also John 13 as well. Um, I was in Orlando, Florida back years ago now. I was there on a K-Church conference, which was the church thing that I went to. And we, as a group of pastors, were getting ready as we were a part of this to go on a field trip. Uh, and we were going to Orlando First Baptist Church. And uh, we were going to go there to the church to visit the church and to see the pastor, and he was going to speak to us. It was all part of the conference. And so we loaded up these buses, and we started off on our little journey across Orlando, and we got over there, and we finally pulled onto that 113-acre campus, and it was just a little bit overwhelming, the buildings and the, and the things and, and the way it was landscaped, and everything about it just said, wow. We walked into the main building, and as we walked into that main building, um, we got in there, and, and you know, it was just like, man, this is, this is amazing. It was just the most gorgeous, beautiful building I think I'd ever been in. And we walked in, and there was this little guy who met us. He's a little guy, kind of balding and gray hair. And he, it, oh yeah, stop for a minute, time out on my story. Kids, go. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I, I've gotten out of practice of that. I'm not used to that anymore. So I'll pick that up in a minute. Remember, short guy, balding, wearing a golf shirt. All right. Come on, kids. Go with Miss Madison. This is Miss Madison's first Sunday with them by herself over here. Thank you, Miss Madison, for what you're doing. We are excited to see what you've got going. That's the cool thing. God is good. He, he supplies needs. Okay, so here we go. There's this guy that met us there. He's in a golf shirt. He's kind of gray hair, a little short guy, not very, uh, just kind of a normal looking guy, just kind of an ordinary guy. And, and, and so he takes us around and he's showing us around. And I'm thinking, you know, this guy, maybe he's head of janitorial services around here. He's got a big old ring of keys, you know, jingle, you know how he's just walking along. And, and, and he takes us into the auditorium. We walk in there. The auditorium in there seats like 4,000 people. It was just huge. And I was just like, oh my goodness, look at this place, you know, and he's talking about it. Somebody asked him, they said, hey, do you know how many services they run here? And he said, you know, we run one on Saturday and four on Sunday. And you have to do that to get all 14,000 people who come here to church every Sunday through the services. And it was just one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. 
There were probably like 100 people on staff at that church, maybe more than that, I don't really know. Plus they had janitorial staff and they had land people who mowed and trim bushes. and I mean, these were all paid people and it was just amazing all these people that they had on staff and who were working there. It was, a, it was an amazing operation, a, a huge church. And I was overwhelmed. I was a little impressed by how big and how amazing it was. And, and to be honest with you, I just couldn't wait to meet the pastor. I figured he had to be some really amazing overwhelming kind of guy to have this kind of operation and to be leading this kind of place. Well, the pastor was scheduled to meet with us like at two o'clock. And so we go into this room, this little man shows us into this room and he goes in there, he's saying hi to all of us as we go in there and, and he's running around making sure we were comfortable. Do you guys want some coffee? Anybody need anything? Making sure we had chairs, making sure everybody was comfortable. And he was scurrying around taking care of everybody's needs and finally it was two o'clock and our leader stood up and he said a bunch of stuff about this church and he began to tell us about things and he said now i want to introduce you to pastor dave and i was so excited and this little man in the golf shirt the bald-headed guy the guy that had the keys stood up and walked to the front he was the pastor of that church and i was kind of blown away by that that he would come up there that this little pastor this, this guy was the pastor of this incredible church. And what impressed me so much was that he was such a servant. He could have had anyone meet us and do the tour with us. Anybody in his staff, he could have said, it's your turn, you go do it. He could have had the head janitor, like I thought he was, go do it. He could have had any one of a dozen janitorial staff make sure that we had chairs. But instead, this man of God took the role of servant and he served all of us. And he made us feel at home. This man is no doubt a difference maker. He's no doubt a powerful, powerful leader, but he had chosen to lead by serving and giving rather than by demanding and ordering and have others serve him. He leads very quietly. He leads when it isn't going, even when it isn't going to benefit him. And he leads when it's not going to be on social media. In my opinion, I think he looked an awful lot like Jesus did that day. That was like 15 years ago. I can't remember a thing he said. That was 15 years ago. So, you know, I can't remember what you said last night, Darcy, wherever you're at. But I've never gotten over what he did and how he looked. It was amazing. He looked like Jesus to me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, Jesus is preaching and he's teaching. It's the Sermon on the Mount. You should recognize the scriptures pretty quickly. And he's outlining clear, uh, clearly what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And he said these words that I want to read for you this morning, starting in verse 19. And these are the words of the Lord himself. And so let's hear them. Let's hear them with our hearts. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus was clearly talking about money and things, but he was also talking about things that I want to talk about. He was talking about things like position 
prestige, personal comfort, being served, and getting your own way. I believe that with all my heart. He was stating clearly to us that when we make life about us and we make it about getting everything we want and getting everyone to notice us and making it about whether we are comfortable or not and getting everyone to take care of our needs, then we are making life our treasure and becoming our own master. And you cannot serve God and this life. It's impossible. You cannot serve God and serve this life life. John chapter 13 verses 1 through 8, Jesus demonstrates for us what preaching and teaching that day on the mount meant. He said it was just before the Passover feast and John knew that it had time come for him to leave this world and go to the Father and having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And what is, what's important about this scripture is this. Jesus had made it clear, you can't make life about you. You can't make life about your own comfort. You can't make life about your money. You can't make life about your prestige. You can't make it about your pleasure. You can't make life about anything else and still make it about God. And he demonstrates it clearly that day when he does what he has to do to reach the 12 with the message of God's love and grace. Now, here's what happened. These disciples had been told, go and prepare a place for us to eat the meal. And so they had gone and they'd done all the stuff. They got the meal ready. They got the place ready. They had everything done. They thought they'd met all the needs. How many of you have ever done something, got done, and found out you left out one detail? Amen? Yeah. That's what happened. They left out one detail. That one detail was they needed someone to wash their feet, or at least a place to wash their feet, and they'd forgotten so they get there that day and their feet are all dirty because they live in a nation and in a place and in a time where they walked around in open feet, open-toed sandals, their sandal kind of shoes, and, and they walked in dust and dirt and they sweat because it was hot. And when they got there, their feet were all gummy. Anybody relating to gummy feet right now? I can almost smell them like, like eighth grade boys. Horrible. Canvas shoes, no socks. Whew. Man. Camp. I'm having flashbacks rich <laughs> mud wrestling <laughs> all those kind of things you know that's what was going on all this was happening and so they get there and they sit down now they don't sit down underneath the table that would have probably been okay they 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 recline on couches and so this guy's feet's over here by my face and i'm trying to eat and he's got gummy feet and jesus looks at that and goes this isn't going to work Probably because Peter's feet were in his face, you know, and he was going, hey, this ain't going to work, man. He's got to get something done here. So he just did what he had to do. He saw a need, and he, he said, I'll meet that need. And he stood up, and he went and got a basin, and he got water, and he got a towel, and he took off his outer garment, wrapped the towel around his waist, and he went around and washed their feet. Now, you know what? He could have said, Philip, you're going to wash feet today. He was the master. Could have told him, Philip, you're going to go wash feet today. It's your turn. And that would have been so humiliating to Philip to be designated to go wash feet. But instead, Jesus saw a need, and he met a need. 
He just got up, stripped down, wrapped the towel around his waist, and went out to meet the need. And as he did this, what Jesus teaches us is that there's no one greater than their master, and Jesus is not above washing your feet. And you shouldn't be either. I shouldn't be either. Here's God, Emmanuel, God with us, and he's willing to wash our feet. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven and what our place is in it. It's a kingdom gone crazy. It's a kingdom where the first is last and the last is first. It's a kingdom where the one who serves is honored. It's a kingdom where love is worth far more than money. <coughs> it's a kingdom where kings take the place of their people and die for their people willingly. It's a kingdom where death is not final and true love and life finally emerge in victory over sin and death. And included in that kingdom is the reality that kings, even gods, are willing to wash their people's feet. Why? Because their feet are dirty and they have a need and God meets needs. No other reason except they love and are compelled and willing to serve and sacrifice even to die for them. I love the way Paul described Jesus in chapter 2 of Philippians. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He's talking about this moment, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and washed his disciples' feet and became obedient to death even death on a cross. See, the kingdom of God is simply seeing a need and loving so much that we're willing to set aside our need, our agenda, our comfort, our ideas, our place, and meet the need. Period. That's all it is. Jesus did that all the time. He was at a wedding one day, and they ran out of wine. And his mom said, well, Jesus can do that. I wonder what she... I had to believe that she'd been messing around at home doing some stuff, and she knew it. She saw it, and she's going, hey, I, I saw him do it before. He can turn water into wine. Hey, turn some water into wine. And he goes, all right. And so he gets these big jars of water, and he turns water into wine for this couple so that they'll have what they need. He, he was one day with Peter, and Peter said, my mother-in-law's sick. What can you do? Can you help me out here? And Jesus said, sure, let's go to her house. And he heals her. Why did he heal her? Because she was sick. She had a need. The man possessed by demons. Jesus saw him. He was raving mad, crazy. And Jesus cast the demons out of him. Why? Because he had demons. There was a man born blind, and Jesus saw him, and he met the need. He healed him. He made him see because he was blind. People who were hungry, they were sitting on a hillside. They'd been listening to him preach for a long time. There wasn't enough food, and so Jesus made food for them. He got it so that they had 12 basketfuls left over. Why would he do that? Because they were hungry. See, the kingdom of God is about seeing a need and by the power of God meeting a need. That's all it is. Simply meeting the needs around us. And that's a spiritual reality. And it's not doing it to get noticed. Put this in your book. It's not doing it to get noticed or to gain God's approval. God doesn't approve of you more or less. He's already approved you, by the way. You're his children. He's stamped saved by grace on you. It's not to just feel better 
If you're doing it just so you feel better, well, I guess that's okay, but that's not why we should be doing it. We should be doing it because there's a need. And it certainly isn't some, somebody will put it on social media. In fact, i got to be honest with you. I think if you're going to do your good deeds so that it ends up on social media, you should skip your good deeds. Just get on social media and do something. I don't know, whatever, but don't, don't do that. See, it's just doing it because Jesus lives in us and would do it, and so we do it too. There's a need, and Jesus would meet the need, and he's put us here to meet the need. So let's just meet the need. See, kingdom happens because the Spirit of Jesus is living in us. And it happens when we begin to see and understand the world like Jesus did. When we do, we become like Him, we love, we act in love. I've watched this lived out over the years in our church by so many people. We have had a wonderful, wonderful experience for the last quarter century of being a part of this family and watching God do incredibly big things through people. And I've seen this lived out especially in a very special couple. And I'm glad I get to say these things to you while you're still alive. Usually we do this after they die. And, uh, you know, every once in a while you get to do it before they die. And this is good. Long time before they die. Long, long time before they die. I want to tell you a little bit about Keith and Debbie Gary and the huge, significant role in ministry that they've lived out in the kingdom over the years. Now, you've got to understand, there have been some really great times and there have been other times in our lives. That happens. That happens. But always, 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 Keith and Debbie, I have praised God for both of you and for your beautiful daughters. You guys have been a blessing to me. Let me start off by saying Keith and Debbie are difference makers. This whole series is called Difference Maker. Keith and Debbie have the heart and the mind of Christ. They are servants. They have willingly wrapped the towel around their waist and gone to work. Why? Because they see a need. That's all. I've actually heard about Keith and Debbie before I ever moved here. When I was still in Burn, Indiana one day, a guy named Dennis Owens, whose son Todd Owens became our youth pastor, told me, hey, there's this couple in Muncie. You ought to meet them. Their name's Keith and Debbie Gary. I remember that day. They were young then, so was I. Not so young anymore, but hey, they're still doing it. Here's what I've seen with Keith and Debbie. They are simple people. They see a need and they feel compelled by love to meet a need. They're not out looking and trying to say, what can I do where everybody will notice me? It is not on their agenda anywhere. They see a person who's in need. They feel called to do something about that. Debbie has the heart of a pastor. She clearly does. She inherited that heart from her grandfather, Oscar Clark, who had a huge pastor's heart. By the way, I want to say something here. You know, you gather, you, you, you inherit physical traits from your family, but you know what? You also inherit spiritual traits from your family. And, and Pastor Oscar, Grandpa Clark, passed on spiritual traits to his family that are huge. He's still one of my heroes, by the way. Keith also has a, this huge servant heart. Both Keith and Debbie saw the example of love and service passed on to them by Debbie's dad and mother, Sonny and Norma McClellan. I don't know anybody who served more over the years than those two people before Keith and Debbie. When 
Sonny and Norma, when I came here, Sonny was always working. I mean, I told you about that, how he used to mow the yard with his little tractor on all these acres. He got it done because he loved his church. He loved his Lord, and he did it as an act of service. And man, Norma wrote so many notes and cared so much. The few days before her death, she was in the kitchen getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner. That's the last time I saw her alive. She was, she was making stuffing and laughing about something because she always laughed about something. <laughs> Here's just a few places that Keith and Debbie have served. They both served in the Dare to Care program. How many of you remember Dare to Care? Dare to Care was such a wonderful thing. And we started that and Debbie and Keith jumped in there. Debbie was kind of running it and she would make soup and sandwiches and we would eat on Thursday night and then everybody would gather and we'd pray and then we'd call on folks and we'd write letters and we'd do all the things that needed to be done so that we could do outreach to people. And Keith went with me and he and I visited more people, new people, we would knock on the doors and it was, it was an incredible time but they gave themselves every Thursday night. They didn't say, well, we're busy on other nights and we've got others. They, they did it. They saw a need and they met a need. They taught Sunday school over the years, both children's and adults and youth, I'm pretty sure, all three. They got all of us somewhere along the way. Most of you have seen it or been a part of their lives in that way. They were both very influential when we were building the Family Life Center, helping us raise the funds and drawing it up and getting everything ready. There's a video somewhere of all of us at a dinner that Debbie planned, and there's a video that shows us all saying, I'm in, I'm in. You remember that? I, I tried, I thought about putting that together and showing it today just so we could see how young we all were, but I was like, man, I don't want anybody to know how old I've gotten. They served on the board. I don't know, if Debbie, have you ever been on the board, Debbie? I thought you had been. I know Keith has been. I mean, very little time when he wasn't on the board. It's like he lives on the board. So, you know, he's a great board member, and they've served on the board. And of course, Debbie served as the children's pastor and Keith has been her faithful helper, sidekick, and the famous Mr. Keith. And it couldn't be one of them without the other. They had to do it together. It's just the way that worked, and that's the way it should be. And they did it all because they saw a need, and they met a need. They weren't always the most talented and gifted. They had other people who might have been able to do something better than them or something, but they saw a need, and they met a need. They saw a need, and they met a need. That's all it takes, guys to be a difference maker. You see a need, you meet a need. You don't sit around and go, well, I hope somebody gets that. You know, I, I watch people do that. You know, even trash on the floor. Well, I guess Billy will get that later. Why? It's a need. Go pick it up. You see a need, you meet a need. That's just the way ministry is. That's the kingdom of God. There's much more to their ministry than that, and I, I can't, I don't have time today to go into everything, but over the years, their ministry has reached out to hundreds and hundreds of people at schools, at work, at camps, at mission, at the mission, as they're involved with their girls. And never ever have I ever seen Keith or Debbie put what they did up on social media for everyone to say, wow, look at them. I have never seen that. Now, if that happened, that it happened, but I have not seen that. That is not why they did what they did. It's just not who they are. They just saw a need and met a need. They just cared about the people all around them that were in need of Jesus. They had much given, and so they gave much back. 
and they brought Jesus to them. And Keith and Debbie have just literally taken the bowl and the towel and served. And my life has been blessed by you. My son's lives, especially Stephen, has been blessed and received your love and your ministry over the years. And Stephen's doing really well. And I believe that you have a lot to do with that in giving to him. And I'm so thankful today that God has placed you in my life. I wouldn't change one bit of it. He has given me the pleasure of serving alongside of you, alongside of both of you. And I praise him for that today. And to the rest of us, I would say to you that it's our turn to step up. We see a need, we meet a need. That's kingdom principle. We see the needs, we meet the needs. Father, today, that's my heart. You see a need, you meet a need. You love people. You do what they need to do, what needs to be done. You care about people. You pour into people. You give, a, you give what you've got. Just like you did for us. Just like you did for your disciples that day. Just like you do for us now. Right now, Lord, I know in my life there's been many times when I have called out to you, Lord, help me, I don't know what to do. And you've gotten in the middle of the mud and the world with me and lifted me up out of it and said, come on, I see a need, I'll meet a need. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you, Lord, for all you have done through Keith and Debbie in this church. I praise your name for letting me be a part of this era and this time and getting to be there with them and serve alongside them. Father, I pray over them right now that you will bless them and keep them. That your light will shine upon them. That their ministry days are not done. There's just a change, a, a moving of the place you have them that that servant's heart will continue to be there and they'll see a need and meet a need. That you, Lord, will be glorified, magnified, lifted up by this great couple. Thank you, Lord, for bringing them together all those years ago. Thank you, Lord, that Norma had the good sense to tell Debbie to hang on to him. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. We love you. You are a great father, and we praise you. And we declare you are our Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.